Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. I, I had some Christmas traditions growing up. Uh, I'm sure you did as well. One of them was, was this, right? Like, like we always had luminaries um, outside. I'm gonna try and not light the bag on fire, uh, just in case you're wondering in the sprinkler, I know. Um, but we had, who, who did this in their neighborhood growing up? Is this a thing, who still does this? Anyone, you do? Does anyone do this anymore? Why don't we do this anymore? It was cool. Um, so, so we used to do luminaries in our neighborhood. We always uh, loved that. Like my brother and I would like to go light them and probably try to catch each other on fire. Um, my sister, another tradition we had was my sister would, uh, when we were little, she, would make, she was older, she would make us be in a Christmas play together. And so she would decide who we were and what we were. And she would dress my brother and me up and make us do things. And so we have pictures of us wrapped up in sheets and with little crowns on our heads and little halos and little, you know, those kinds of things. I'm sure we hated it, but she loved it and she made us do it. Another tradition that we had, um, I can't even believe I brought this here today. I'm sure you can see this very clearly from where you sit. <laughs> my brother and I used to take the baby Jesus out of, the, out of the nativity scene that my mother and father had set up and hide it around the house. <laughs> and we would wait for them to notice, number one, that it was gone, which often took a while, and number two, we would wait for them to find it. And uh, that was our little tradition. I, I took this out of our nativity scene, and Liz doesn't even know, so we're, I'm kind of playing this, the game again. Um, she's home with a sick dog right now. She's probably wondering, where's the baby Jesus? Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to... Sit him right here, <laughs> right on top of the Bible. That's an appropriate place. Um, so that was one of our traditions. I'm sure that you guys have plenty. I'm sure you have plenty right now that you do. Maybe, uh, you, you know, you have a tradition about the Christmas tree. Like maybe you even have a tradition of when you get it. Like we always get it the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Who set their tree up before Thanksgiving this year? Let me see your hands, you proud Christmas. Yes. Is it earlier and earlier? Like, like I feel like that's so early, y'all. Like, that's so early. Um, but some of you do that. Some of the, for some of you, that's your tradition. Some of you go Black Friday shopping. Like, that's your tradition. Uh, maybe you went to see Santa in the mall, or, or maybe it's like Christmas parties for you. There are all kinds of traditions, and they're amazing, right? I mean, these are good things that we have. But what I want to say today is this. Sometimes traditions can unintentionally take the place of the most important things. Sometimes traditions can unintentionally take the place of the most important things because traditions, although they can be good, they can also, if we take them the wrong way, they can have a way of disconnecting from what they point to. And they can just become their own thing. They can, they can kind of disconnect from what they point to and they can just become their own, uh, their, their own thing. So <clears throat> I heard this story about a girl who was watching her mother prepare a ham for Christmas and she was gonna bake the ham in this pan and so she watched as the mother cut one end of the ham off and then she cut the other end of the ham off and then she put it in this pan and the girl was like, so why do you cut the ends of the ham off? And the mom was like, well, I think it's to keep the, the, the juices in, something about keeping the juices in, but, but she said, truthfully, I do that because I watched my mom do it, and that's what she did, and so she said, maybe you should ask your grandma, and so the girl calls her grandmother, and the grandmother says, well, 
uh, I, I, I do cut the ends of the ham off, but I did that really because my mom uh, did that. And she said, why don't you call her? And the, the girl's great-grandmother was still alive, and so she calls her great-grandmother, and her great-grandmother, she tells her the story of her mom and her grandmother doing this, and her great-grandmother laughs, and she's like, I cut both ends of the ham off because the pan I had was too small. <laughs> Sometimes traditions kind of get in the way of what the purpose is. Traditions can unintentionally take the place of the most important. We, we also do this in like weddings. Um, there are a lot of wedding traditions. If you get married, you know, there's a lot of weddings. And as a pastor, I do some weddings sometimes. Um, wearing a white gown, right? Maybe uh, you walk down the aisle. Maybe your father gives you away. Sometimes people give away rings to one another, right? There are certain Bible verses. Um, and, and, and so much of it becomes about the ceremony. You know, so much of it becomes about the sermon. You step back and you kind of ask the question sometimes, well, is the wedding for the marriage or is the marriage just for the wedding? And it's got an obvious answer, but often it can become just about the ceremony itself. Like, where are we going to have it? And who's going to come? And what are we going to have for, 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 for dinner? And when it just focuses on that, you can actually set yourself up to not have a very healthy Marriage. Traditions can unintentionally take the place of the thing they're created to celebrate. And we think that we, uh, like, like there are things that we think connect us to, to the better thing or the bigger thing, but they can distract us from why we celebrate. And that's human nature. I mean, if you're saying, Gerald, I, I, don't, I don't know what that has to do with Christmas. It's just human nature to do this. It's easy to mix, miss the point. It's easy for us to get fixed on the wrong thing. Now, um, in the Bible, like, like the Jewish people were chosen to, uh, uh, by God to share his plan for salvation to the world. They were, they were chosen for God to share with the world his plan for salvation. And, and so um, it's an amazing gift that they were given. And, and, and one of the biggest things they were supposed to do uh, in the scriptures was to look for the Messiah to come. Uh, if they were to look ahead and to go, oh, okay, we're looking for signs of the Messiah, and there were signs given, and, and you know the word prophecy, right? Like, like these signs or these prophecies were given to us in the scriptures to show us that the Messiah was going to come, and so they were supposed to like, look for these things to happen. There, there are some signs I'll, I want to share with you, uh, uh, and these are just about the birth of the Messiah. The, the, it says in the scriptures that the nations are going to be blessed through Abraham's lineage, okay? Jesus checked that box. It also says that the nations would be blessed through Jacob's offspring. Jesus checked that box. Um, by, by, by the way, those things are important. If, if you read the first chapter of Matthew and you're like, it's just names. You know, like it's just, it's just names. There's a very, very important reason why Matthew did that. He was looking back and going, this is one of the boxes we checked to know that Jesus was the Messiah because he was connected to both Jacob and Abraham and David. David's offspring will have an eternal kingdom that's one of the prophecies in the scriptures. Now, they even get more specific. One of the prophecies says this in the Old Testament, a virgin will give birth and he will be called Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel means God with us. And then there's another one. I mean, it's incredible how specific they get. It says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And there are many, many, many more. In fact, there are hundreds of signs and prophecies about the Messiah that Jesus, as you look at his life, fulfilled. 
And, and so they were supposed to be watching for these. Now, um, kind of like our society, there was like, like different layers and levels of, of, uh, of where people were in life. And so there were some people who were kind of on the bottom and they were struggling and they were poor and, and maybe beaten up in their life. And they were uh, the people who would maybe search for food in the garbage and warm their hands over an open fire and they, they would build their own homes and maybe they had a lean to and that's where they kind of lived. And, and there was that layer of, of, of folks in the community. There were others who were more like middle class and uh, they maybe had a small home. They, they, uh, they worked really hard and they were members of the temple. They were members of the synagogue and, and of that religious community. And that was very, very important to them. And then kind of at the top was this layer of people who were you know, really, really smart. They were teachers and leaders who were set aside. They had set aside their life to study and to investigate and to interpret the scriptures. And they were kind of seen as the pinnacle of society. And so their role was to watch for the Messiah. But traditions get established. Traditions get established. And what was established to point to God, to point to the Messiah, started to become uh, these rituals in and of themselves. One of the um, most obvious places that that shows itself is in this idea of, of what's called the Sabbath. This day that was set aside by God for us to rest and reflect and enjoy just being with God. But over the years, what, what happened was that that got twisted and it got twisted and it, it, it began to be about people instead of God. And it began to be about, well, what could people do and not do on that day? What kind of work could you accomplish or not accomplish on that day? And they categorized work into a bunch of subcategories. And they were, so, so there were all these categories of what you couldn't do. And it began to be this burden what originally had this good purpose, we're gonna connect you with God and slow down and be with God, not just do for God, it got corrupted by people who were just like us. And they got so busy debating and so busy obsessing over the rules and the traditions that they forgot to look for the Messiah. They forgot to keep their eyes open and so God, you know, we're gonna tell this Christmas story that you all know so well, right? But, but, but it's so amazing to look at it and try to look at it with fresh eyes because God in his wisdom, God in his providence, God, he's decided, uh, I'm gonna announce the Messiah to other people. Like, I'm gonna announce him to, to, to others. And so there are these people who, who weren't the insiders. There's people who weren't in the synagogue. They couldn't go to the synagogue. They couldn't go to the temple. They were actually out in the fields most of their time. They were outsiders, disconnected, caring for sheep. And, and, and often those sheep were the sheep that would be used in temple sacrifices, but they weren't really a part of the, a part of the, a part of the temple. They were outcasts. They didn't follow the traditions of the Pharisees. They, they, they weren't wrapped up in all the rules and regulations. And God does the least obvious thing possible. He doesn't show up in power to the temple. He doesn't show up in this world as a king. It's the most un-Messiah-like thing you could possibly do. And it's the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of the gospel that he shows up to people who were not the first choice, who maybe weren't my first choice or second choice or maybe the, the thousandth choice of people that we would pick. 
And it points to this great, great truth about God. And we're gonna dig into this story today from Luke chapter two. This great truth about God though is this, he doesn't show up, he doesn't show up because we deserve it. He shows up because it's his will to love us. He shows up because it is his will. He wants to love us. And that's why he shows up how he does and why he shows up how he does in this story. He doesn't show up because we deserve it. He shows up because it's his will to love us. And so we, we begin today's part of the story in Luke chapter two with, with these people, these guys, these outcasts, these outsiders. And I, and I gotta think, when I, when I read about them and I see what they do, I, I more and more think they're kinda, they're, they're just so much like me. <laughs> like, like, I bet they feel so much like I feel sometimes. And, and maybe you as well. It says this, Luke chapter two, verse eight, it starts like this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So just, just picture them for a minute. These humble, humble guys out in the middle of the night um, telling stories. Maybe they have a fire going. Is this fire still going? It is still going. And the bag hasn't caught on fire yet. And the sprinkler system hasn't gone off yet. Um, Maybe they were telling stories to one another. And I gotta think that these guys were just open, honest, really like fun guys to be around. And I also think they were probably still open to a lot of wonder in their lives. We're gonna see that here in a minute. Uh, some of you guys know, I've told this for a couple weeks now, I'll just do it for the next year, just expect South Africa stories. We went to South Africa a couple weeks ago and uh, we got up super early one morning, and when I say super early, like 3.30, okay? We had to get up because we were going on this bushwalk and we had to be somewhere at 4.15 and so uh, to, to meet these guides. And I mean, like, I'm up, we're out, it's crazy, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly asleep still, but I look up when we get outside and there's no you know, lights from some city to wash out the sky, and so it's just this beautiful sky. And we hadn't had tons of clear nights, but we had this one that, in that moment. And so I looked up and I just saw these stars everywhere. And I literally was like, I'll take my iPhone and take a picture of it. That's, it's gonna look terrible, but I'm gonna see what, see what can happen. But I did actually, and, and this is the picture that I took. Um, now, it may not seem like much to you, but to me, I'm like, I mean, it, it was like this stunning group of stars right above. Put that with my iPhone, y'all, isn't that crazy? Um, and I gotta think that that's the kind of sky that these shepherds were standing under that night and looking up at that night and wondering about that night and maybe having conversations about that night. These humble guys out there just hanging out, not expecting anything other than a normal night. Well, here's what happens. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. That's a break in the scene right there, right? Like that's something that, that's new. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and it says the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. They were terrified. Um, on, on your Christmas tree, do you have an ornament of an angel? Like do you have an angel ornament? Do you have a series of them? Maybe you have a set of them and you collect them or whatever and they're beautiful, right? Like they look harmless. They look like somebody you'd wanna sit down and have a conversation with. You know how the Bible describes angels? I'm just gonna put this out there. I don't know that this is the kind of angel that was speaking to them or not, but the Bible describes angels in certain places like this. They have six wings, 
They are on fire, they have eyes everywhere, and they have four faces, all right? Um, and if you, if you, if you wanna, the, four fa- the, the face of a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle. So uh, AI kinda helps us with this. AI uh, drew this picture of, it took what the Bible said about it and it gave us this picture. Just take that in for a minute. What? Whoever said aw, that's terrifying. That's a terrifying picture. Uh, so I, I love their honesty. I love the shepherd's honesty here that it just says they were terrified. Of course they were. I, w- I would be terrified. I love that they're honest people. You ever pretend not to be afraid in your life? You know, you kind of like pretend not to be afraid. There used to be a bully who lived up the street from me. He was two years older than me and much bigger than me, especially when we were like 13 and 12, 14, or 13 and 11, 14 and 12. And we would get into it sometimes and I would pretend like I wasn't afraid, but I was afraid of David. I was, I was afraid of it. I wouldn't let him know that. I was never gonna let him know that, okay? But I was afraid of him. You ever pretend not to be afraid? These guys just blurted out. They, I mean, you, sometimes you get to a point where there's no question you are afraid. I mean, there's, there's, there's an obvious thing you were afraid of, and that was the situation for them. But, but here's what I believe God really does value. I think he values this in you and in me as well. I think God values honesty. I think God values honesty. And I, and I love this about the shepherds, that they weren't pretending to be someone else. They weren't pretending they didn't have feelings. They weren't masking them. Because here's what happens when you're not honest, especially with God. What, what, what happens is that when you pretend that you don't have feelings, you pretend that you're not afraid, and you mask them around people, you mask them around God, it actually does damage to you spiritually. It's actually spiritually damaging because it trains you to hide yourself from other people, and it trains you to hide yourself from God. I, I, I love this little snippet that we get that they were terrified because of course they were. And it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to admit it. And I think there's something really honest about that. And here's, here's how the angel handles it out of one of these mouths that it has. It says, um, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. There's a good thing that's happening here, guys. There's a good thing that's happening here. This disruption in your night is a great thing. It's a good thing. Don't be afraid. It's a life-changing thing. It's a life-changing thing for you, but also for the rest of the world. Can you believe that they came to these guys first? Can you believe that the angel came to them first? They didn't have authority. They didn't have um, moral uh, superiority. They didn't have money. They didn't have social status. They had nothing. And they got the announcement first, almost first, first. They got this announcement. Isn't that incredible? I think that's amazing. Why in the world would God do it like that? He says, there, there's gonna be good news, we're bringing good news, and, and that's this word gospel that, that we share, we throw around a lot, but it's the idea of good news, and it's gonna to lead to great joy. What's the last thing in your life that you've experienced great joy about? Great joy. Um, what, what, what kind of news have you gotten where it's like, that's amazing. Like a, a friend of yours or someone in your family says, we're gonna have a baby. 
Incredible. Someone says to you, we're getting married. That's amazing, great joy. Or maybe I got into that school that I was trying to get into, or I made the team, or I got the job. Great joy is coming. And, and, and so the, the, the obvious thing I think that the shepherds had to wrestle with in that moment is this. Um, what are we gonna do about that? And for us, the question is this. What are you gonna do with this good news? What are you gonna do with this good news, this gospel? What are you gonna do with it? Because there was a reason that they came to the shepherds. There was a reason. They were gonna have to do something with it. What, what, what do they announce? Well, they announce this. Today, in the town of David, town of David, remember that prophecy? A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. This is the Messiah. This is God checking the boxes of the predictions of the, of the, of the Messiah. This is God checking boxes. But there were some in that community that were too stuck in tradition to see it. They were too stuck in tradition to see it. And these shepherds had to be going, what, like the Messiah is coming as a baby? And, and he's gonna be what? He's gonna be like wrapped in rags? That's what we do with the poorest of the poor. And he's gonna be in a manger, he's not even gonna be in a proper crib, a proper bed, a proper house. That's what's happening here? They had to be amazed at that. And the angel's like, that's right. And they're like, why? And the angel was, must have been like, because God is coming to turn everything on its head, everything upside down, and it starts with this, and it starts right now. For this very, very simple, very, very basic reason. But it's the reason that we miss. It's the thing that we miss. And it's this, you need a savior. Like, you need a savior. I need a savior. I don't need a therapist out of Jesus. I don't need a moral teacher with Jesus. I don't need a best friend with Jesus. Ultimately, I need a savior. I need a Messiah in my life. And maybe, just maybe, the shepherds were the kind of people that were most readily able to admit that they were actually lost. Maybe they were the people that were the most, it was the easiest for them to say, yep, that's right, of course I do. Have you seen my life? Have you seen me? Like I'm on the outside of all these things looking in, I'm not even in the temple life at all because I have to take care of their sheep so I can never go to any of the festivals. So they see me as an outsider and it's just become this thing. And yes, I've done some things with my life that, that I don't think are okay, but I, I, it is who I am. And Jesus comes and says, oh, you need me. And not me as your best friend. You need me as your savior, first and foremost. You know, it's ironic that, um, that, the, that the ones who were tasked with searching for the savior, by and large, missed him. They, by and large, just missed him. Can I just say this to us? Um, don't let the comfort of your traditions, as, as amazing as they are this year, and as fun as they are, don't let them cause you to actually miss the reality of the Savior. Don't let yourself get so wrapped up that you actually just miss the reality of the Savior. And so what happens next? It says that suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace 
to those on whom his favor rests. Can you picture that? There was one angel, and then suddenly, boom! Thousands. Thousands. Which, I mean, I don't even know. What, what would you do in that moment? Like, what did the shepherds do? They must have just fallen on their feet or fallen down or just been in such terror and awe and wonder that they couldn't do anything. But I got to think, okay, they realized very quickly, this wasn't like they were thrown into like a concert. You know, it's like someone picked them up and threw them into a concert, but it wasn't for them. It wasn't for them. The performance wasn't for them. They were just invited into it. And like for just a glimpse, the curtain was pulled back and they could see, oh, this is what's been going on forever. And they were invited in. Not as to be performed for them, but for them to jump into that as well. And so I got to imagine that they stood in awe and in wonder, and then maybe they just started jumping up and down and praising God with the angels. That must have been the most incredible feeling. They discovered why they existed, right? Like they discovered their purpose. They discovered what we discover when we actually see what Christmas is really about, like what the gospel, the good news is really about, what you find is that the truth of it is this, that you and I are being invited in. Like we're being invited into something that's way bigger than us, invited into a life that's way beyond us, invited into an existence with a community of believers that is so far beyond us that we just get to like look around and see the angels sing and join in with them. You know, that's what we do actually when we worship together is we're just joining in, we're just like practicing, okay? We're joining in, we're practicing for the future. We're jumping in together and saying, hey, we're gonna sing together with the angels in all of creation and all of the animals and the scriptures say that the, the earth is crying out to him. The rocks are crying out to him. The, the animals around us are, are like praising God and we are invited into that. We are invited in to worship like the most holy one with his angels you know, and like the, are already worshiping him. And we're invited, like you're invited. I mean, maybe in this series, you're gonna discover that you're invited to recognize the Messiah. Not just to sort of pursue the, 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 the same old, same old this Christmas. The same old traditions, the same old things. They're valuable, right? But let's have them in the proper place. Let's make sure that the traditions that we have point us to the Messiah, connect us to the story, connect us into a relationship with him and into recognizing, wow, the saving power of God has come to earth. And that's amazing. And I think that in that field that day, the, the shepherds had this wonder of like, oh my goodness, this makes it all worth it. This makes it all worth it. To live like in the light of the angels, um, the, the visible ones, you know, and the invisible ones, praising him eternally together. Like that's our invitation. That's your invitation today. So. Um, how do we do that, right? Like, how do we make sure that we put traditions in their proper place and focus where we need to? Here's a couple of thoughts on that. One of them is this, and I'll try to get practical here. One of them is this. Um, just simply read the Christmas story. And that's gonna feel like, oh, that sounds like a, a tradition. Maybe it should be, right? But when you read it, when you actually like read it, and I would say read it by yourself, but also maybe read it with your family, read it with, with some people close to you, out loud. 
you discover some things. You will see some things in it that you've never seen before. Because that's how the scriptures are. They're like living and active and they just have all, all, all kinds of things all the time that you just kind of go, oh my goodness, I've never saw that part of the, of the story before. It will become so real. It will feel so much more real to you when you actually sit and read it. Um, a second thing, and in order to read it, you'll have to do this second thing, which is to, uh, to slow down and reflect. Like slow yourself down and reflect. I know in some ways you're maybe like, oh, you don't need to say that to me, but yeah, I probably do. Because I need to say it to myself, especially this time of year when things get crazy, right? Slow down, reflect. Let yourself sit with the good news and see what God does in, in your life. And maybe this third one is, is for some of you today who uh, uh, hear those words, I was invited in, like I'm invited in and you haven't responded yet. When you're invited in, come in. When you're invited in, come in, jump in, join in, say yes. And that may be for, for some of you, like starting a relationship with Jesus. It may just be that you need to say yes. Like today's your day to say yes to him. And then one more thing, a fourth thing is, is this. What would it look like for you and me to share this invitation with others? How do we share this with others? This is not news to be kept to, to ourselves. This is to be declared to the countryside. Jesus is here, the Messiah is here, the savior, not just the teacher, not just our, our great friend, not just a nice guy, but Jesus, the savior in all of his power and his glory is here and he came to save you. He came to save me. He came to invite you into a relationship with him that's gonna save you from an eternity without him. That's worth celebrating. That's why he came and as we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks, how he came, the fact that he came in, uh, such a, in such humble conditions, in poverty, was absolutely critical to his mission. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.